Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship and advancement. Today, I'm honored and it's my privilege to welcome Dr. Anthony Jenkins, president of the Coppin State University in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome, Dr. Jenkins. Kim, thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be on with you, and I want to congratulate you right off the top on this uh, outstanding podcast that you have going on. It's good to be with you, and so thank you for the opportunity. You know, uh, thank you. Thank you. I know you have a busy schedule, but when I was thinking about doing this podcast, I wanted to talk about the role of HBCUs in mentoring the future generation of African-American leaders. And I couldn't think of a better person and leader than yourself. <laughs> you, you know, you, you have tremendous background in higher education, you know, previously West Virginia State, and now you're Coppin. But I want you to talk about Coppin State. You know, a lot of folks that, that may be listening to this may not be familiar with Coppin State because we have a global audience. So I want to take a couple of minutes, talk to folks, what is Coppin State about? What are some of your pride points and what's your vision for Coppin State? Thank you, Kim. I greatly appreciate uh, that. And you know, let me say before I get started, you look very dapper uh, as, as always. Um, I apologize. I could not match you in that area. I am uh, in between some athletic events uh, here on campus, but I wanted to take this time to uh, be with you because I think what, what you're doing is so important and providing such a platform uh, for individuals like myself and others to talk about our, our institutions is something that is invaluable. You know, when it comes to Coppin State University, Coppin is located in Baltimore. Um, we are what we call ourselves uh, a small university that offer our students a large university experience. We are an HBCU, we are an a, uh, anchor uh, institution. We offer over 61 academic majors. Uh, we educate a multi-generational, uh, diverse, multiculturalism um, uh, student population. We have students who come to us from over 35 uh, states uh, to include uh, the District of Columbia and 30 international countries. We have a very diverse institution, and we believe that that diversity and the multicultural uh, makeup of our campus adds to the quality of education that that we provide our students. You know, Coppin is one of four HBCUs in the state of Maryland. We have the number one ranked HBCU nursing program. Uh, Our nursing um, uh, uh, faculty do an incredible job. Our nursing program uh, has the highest NCLEX pass rate of any HBCU in the state. Forbes just ranked our psychology program, one of the best in the nation. Our business management program is ranked in the top 40 nationally. Our social work program, our STEM areas, uh, those are some of the academic accolades that we have. Uh, We are also uh, strong in research. 
we are the only HBCU and one of only a few uh, universities in the state of Maryland that have a center of nanotechnology where we are focusing on cancer research, uh, diabetes, and we're also focusing on clean energy. Uh, that's a very important piece of who we are because right. as an anchor institution, we focus on how do we not only impact our communities, the region and the world, but we want to provide an experiential opportunity for our students. And so many of our freshmen, uh, they are engaged in research uh, from the time they enter into the time that they leave, which puts them in a great place to go on for master's, doctorate and law degrees. Uh, and if I just, you know, I, I have to brag on a young lady uh, by the name of Christy, who graduated from Coppin. She left us and went on to the University of Florida. Uh, she earned her PhD in nuclear uh, engineering. She's the first person of color to graduate from that doctoral program from the University of Florida. You know, that's the type of quality education that we are providing our students. That's a little bit about who we are. Uh, and I encourage anyone to please visit coppin.edu to learn more about, uh, you know, Coppin State University and what we offer. Coppin.edu. I mean, C-O-P-P-I-N.edu. I mean, I love that story because I heard about that story and I say, I'll be darned. Wow. <laughs> it's a, She's the first. And to me, that speaks volumes about the HBCU experience. I don't think a lot of folks understand, you know, what makes HBCU special in my view is that, you know, for instance, when I spend time on your campus, it's more of a community, you know, yeah. that is Dr. So-and-so, that is Professor So-and-so, I can stop by and see them and get to know them. So, you know, you, you provide that mentoring, holistic mentoring, not just here are your academics and, you know, you go go right ahead and do what you got to do and go there, get a job. But it's about developing the holistic individual that comes through your institution. And that's what makes HBCU experience a lot different. Because, I mean, when I spent time, I said, this is not what I expected because I'd never been to HBCU. But I was very, very impressed by that. So as I was thinking about that, I just thought to myself, let's just really try to unpack this. Why is it that HBCUs like Coppin uh, are a, a significant force in mentoring the future generation of leaders in the community? I mean, what makes them so special to stand out that, you know, they're the best vehicles to do this? Well, you know, first, from, from a historical standpoint, uh, we, we have to appreciate that the 100 plus HBCUs across our nation are, they were created to educate free slaves. And so mm -hmm. there in and of itself, what we do is, is rooted in how do we have a impact on the people who come from the communities that are around these institutions, coupled right. with the fact that um, the HBCUs in our country, they are centered in either urban or rural areas. Um, and so a part of our goal is to make sure that we are not only expanding the door of access and opportunity, but the students who pass through our hallowed grounds, they typically understand that the expectation is that they return to their communities, lift them and make them better than where they are now. Uh, and so that's really one of the crux of the HBCU mission. 
And a part of that, uh, or, or, or another piece of that, is that we really challenge our students to understand that as an educated person who adds to an educated citizenry, you are to fight for the world, not as it is, but the way it should be, right? A, a more just society. And so here at Coppin, we uh, early on commit our students to understanding that earning your degree does not make you educated. Uh, that's just a you know, piece of paper. Your education is about action. And so getting back to the very communities that society in some aspects have tried to um, uh, underfund, um, uh, uh, under, under nurture, uh, and that you have a responsibility to go in and bring back your emotional intelligence and your intellectual strength to help more individuals uh, uh, see and benefit from uh, economic mobility. So, so that's, that's you know, some of why it's, an, it's important for us to do the you know, work we do in our uh, specific communities. That mentoring piece is so important. It is so important because uh, in the African-American community and many communities of color, um, uh, philanthropy is not something that we are used to. Uh, mm -hmm. And yet um, uh, it is something that we continue to uh, educate our students on and show the, the value, the impact and the return on investment of becoming a philanthropist. And so at, at Coppin, we start from new student orientation, mentoring our students and talking to our students that uh, we want them to understand that many of them are sitting here as benefactors from scholarships that philanthropists, people who look like them and people who do not look like them have given to this institution so they can earn their, their education. They then have a responsibility to pay that back. We have to start mentoring, I think, early on so that we change the actual narrative in our communities that philanthropy is something that we should embrace. And philanthropy doesn't have to be uh, uh, one writes a check for a billion dollars, right? Right, right. It can be Absolutely. $5. It could be oh, yeah. $10, right? Every little bit helps. And when you give, you become a philanthropist. And so that's where we, we are challenging our students and their mindsets on what it means to pay it forward and give back. You know, that is brilliant. I mean, as you know, I'm preaching to a choir here. If you look at where Coppin is located, you are in an area, I mean, that is rich in technology, mm -hmm. uh, economic, you know, a lot of economic development opportunities that are coming up. Uh, you got Amazon HQ2, that's not going to be too far. You got all the national security apparatus and then you've got this uh, mostly low income uh you know black and uh community of color but that community sits in this very very uh sort of uh, blessed area and your university is right in the middle of this place where the state of maryland is investing a lot of resources in that is gonna be you know uh you know tremendously tremendously blessed down the line and so you think about it from a philanthropic perspective, I think a lot of folks don't realize that black folks have always been philanthropic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go to church every day. That's you right. Know, you see, you know, you see that old grandma and grandpa, 
They go over there, they give their tithes. It could be $2, it could be $10, it could That's be right. 100 They do So as a community, you know, regard, regardless of where you are, the, the Black community has always been about paying forward and paying back. And so there's an opportunity there to uh, educate the students that are coming through to, to turn back to their roots, go back to your roots, look at your community and look at what's happening there. You can be part of that. And you may not have a lot of resources, but collectively we can move things forward. So uh, I commend you and and, and your team for beginning to instill that at at that freshman level for folks to understand that that is important. And that's also going to help them uh, moving forward when they go into their careers, because not only are you mentoring them for now, you're mentoring them so that when they go like that nuclear scientist becomes a head of a major research right. lab, right. making significant resources, they may be asked to spend to spend the time on a board of a local organization uh, as a chair of the board or as a board member, which almost always requires that you become philanthropic. So you're doing a great job of preparing these folks <laughs> down the line. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. I do. So we, we've kind of talked about uh, another point that I wanted to talk about, which is how do you envision philanthropy as a critical factor in advancing African-American communities? I mean, we've, we, we just talked about it. I mean, I think you and I had a conversation a while ago about the fact that, you know, many of our communities, while they may not have, uh, for instance, uh, cash money, mm-hmm. uh, they do have, uh, you know, whether it's real estate or other resources right. uh, and time commitment that they can, uh, they can help institutions, uh, HBCUs thrive uh, you know, yep. by, by providing those resources. Yeah, you know, Kim, look, that's, that's, that's an excellent point. And, you know, one of the things that, that one of several that I try to stress to folks, you know, based on our point, is yeah, everyone doesn't have those large checks to, to write, and that's fine. And that's where we're also working with our students and our alums to understand that um, uh, if you look at it from the perspective of legacy giving, um, if you look at your 403, your 401 uh, uh, stocks, mutual funds, those type of things, you know, you, you, you had talked earlier, I think, about a very important piece, and that's the actual African-American church in the African-American community. And uh, African-Americans has, have historically given. I think the, the next level up for us is the investment beyond the African-American church. And what I mean by that is um, when, 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 when I talk about legacy giving and I talk about those things, that's how the, the Dukes became the Dukes and the Vanderbilts became the Vanderbilts. Amen. Right? Is, that, is that their alumni left legacy gifts, property, valuables to these institutions. And so while the African-American community is trending in that direction, obviously we're not, we're not there yet on a, on a more consistent basis, but that's where we're also at Coppin talking about this. And that has a direct tie into the community. When yes. you have a, a university such as Coppin that sits in the west side of Baltimore, we are a, a, uh, a 200 plus million dollar economic impact. Uh, 70% of our students, uh, when they graduate, they remain in Maryland. 48% stay in Baltimore City. 
right? And to start getting them to understand how they can uh, uh, invest in giving back through a philanthropic way in their community or to the university, it helps all of us rise. And so we're just trying to connect those, those, those dots and having those important conversations and changing that mindset to you're already doing it. You have been mm -hmm. doing it. Mom has done it. Your grandparents have done it. Let's do it in a different way uh, so that we can have a greater return on investment and a more significant impact. Those are great points. So let's shift gears here a little bit. Now, one of the things that I'm passionate about is the role of diversity, equity, and inclusion in advancement. As you know, uh, early on, I was having a conversation with one of my friends and we're, we're, we're unpacking some stats. And you look at it, for most institutions, less than 4% of people in leadership are of color, okay? Mm -hmm. And specifically, when you go down to Black folks in advancement, they're very, very few. And as a matter of fact, unless you go to an HBCU uh, advancement office, it's very rare to see more than three or four people. You know, it's, right. it's just the path for us to get into those roles has always been challenging. So I look at HBCU advancement offices uh, not necessarily as a as a as a training ground to bring uh, diverse candidates to the PWIs. I look at them as a contributor to the diversification of our field. And That's so right. from that perspective, uh, you know, we need to build a pipeline for talented folks who can work in advancement. And that begins with internship programs, it begins with mentoring program and being intentional about doing those kind of things. That's what we need everybody to do. So as I look at HBCUs, I look at COP and, and I'm familiar with your operation and things like that. You know, I wonder to myself from your perspective as a president, how do you see HBCUs uh, playing a role in increasing the the numbers of uh, Black, African-American, or uh, uh, fundraisers of color in the field of institutional advancement? Because it is something that is critical, okay? Yes. We have to have people in our field that represent uh, the, the the students that they serve. And for the, for the longest time, many institutions talk to talk, but they don't walk the walk. That's right. And I, and I see an institution like Coppin where you do have the mass, you do have the predominant population mm -hmm. of, of your student body is African-American. So how can institutions like Coppin help us fill this void? Yeah, listen, another great question. And I think that, again, it's, it's having those conversations early on to build pipelines and introduce uh, students um, to the field of, it, of advancement. Uh, I think so that that is one track. The other track is, uh, well, let me say this through that track, you also want to do the things that you talked about. How do you create internship opportunities? Uh, how do you create mentoring? Uh, how do you show them what the upward trajectory is for this particular field? Those are for the students. For the individuals who are currently working in, in advancement offices at HBCU campuses, like it's, it's pretty much the you know, same thing. How do you mentor them? How do you expand their IQ on the world of philanthropy? Um, because I will tell you, to your point, as you, as you very well noted, I have worked at uh, multiple uh, PWIs, and I've never had a vice president of advancement that was a person of color. 
Um, and so uh, I think that uh, helping to mentor and grow in this field from the perspective of what are the theoretical understandings of philanthropy? Um, uh, how do you navigate through the actual uncharted waters of core team, um, uh, uh, different donors uh, from, from, from corporations, different races, uh, different eth ethnicities, uh, uh, those things I think are important to be done, but they have to be done, in my opinion, in collaboration with some PWIs. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think there's, there's this opportunity for us to partner and create pathways for HBCUs to have outstanding VPs for institutional advancement, but your number two and number three, right, sometimes may have to move out to move up. Absolutely. And, and it's okay. And, and, and it's okay for right. somebody that, to go somewhere fine. else. Yeah. Right. It's, but, yeah. And, and so that's what I think we have to be comfortable with. And if we don't create mentorship opportunities, moving someone out to move them up and say going from an HBCU to a, to a PWI, not understanding that culture, not being able to connect with those alums, that's going to be a recipe for unsuccess. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think you, you raised a very good point that I hope uh, people are paying attention to that. OK, you have an opportunity to partner with HBCUs like Coppin State and, you know, and develop holistic talent development programs, talent growth programs for uh, professionals of color. You know, we talk all the time about we're going to go recruit in diverse places and things like that. What we're discussing here is this idea of cross pollination. Okay, it's not a bad thing for us to work together. That's if, right. Uh, if Coppin doesn't have space for somebody to be able to to grow because of budgets or what have you, hey, University X within the system uh, may have those opportunities. So somebody can go there and then learn that and then bring that knowledge when the time is right. But I think there's there's that opportunity for collaboration and and training and resources that can also be done from a systemic perspective. Uh, where you know you're, 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 you know institutions like yours are part of a big system, and uh, that big system has an advancement office that covers this system. And right. so, how do we collectively leverage those resources to develop that talent growth and and career roadmap? And, and to to back up a little bit, uh, the other thing too is the education about the field of philanthropy that yes. is the natural career. Because I mean, mm -hmm. when I was when I was getting started, I didn't know what this was. You know, I just saw. Uh, you know, I was working in athletics. I see these uh, gentlemen and ladies. They always going to the best parties, and uh, you know, they, they come back with big checks and they do those kind of things. And I asked my mentor, I said, "What is that?" Is yeah. that oh, that is uh, you know, those those folks work in development. You know, now now we're in a different space because people know about us. But I still I still think people that come from uh, you know underrepresented populations are not exposed to this world, and well, I can't how many folks I, I, I mentor and this is the first time where you're having a conversation about career road mapping how to be intentional about doing these things yeah. because you're not coming at it from johnny who grew up in this uh you know uh family and that went to a pwi and they were in a fraternity and they got they were a social chair they were right. philanthropy chair we don't have that lived experience our lived experience is different 
Yeah, no, look, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and I, I actually liken it to the you know, financial industry because we've been having this conversation. When yeah. you look at the, the you know, financial industry, uh, whether it's accounting, um, the uh, stock market, you know, whatever it may be, you find fewer and fewer African-Americans or people of color in the financial sector, the higher you go, right? And, and so we have been looking at ways of how do we build those partnerships to get more uh, di diversity in the, in the financial sector? I think when we talk about philanthropy, it is the same type of process of how do we build partnerships and create these, these pathways uh, for you know, individuals. Now, some, some folks are gonna hear that, Kim, and say, well, you know, why would you wanna do that? Let's keep the you know, best talent at, at HBCUs and so forth. I believe that there's enough talent to go around if we mentor and if we create pipelines. To your point, uh, much like many careers within higher education, there's no connection from undergrad to that career field, right? There, yeah. is, no, there is no undergraduate major in philanthropy, right? You're not, you know, no, no young person goes to, you know, college and say, well, I'm going to major in becoming a vice president of institutional advancement. Right. That that yeah, just I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask people for money. We'll live right. You know, so you, you know, just, just just like there is no undergraduate degree in student affairs, but but that's that's a path and career within higher education. So that's where we have to connect those dots early on and introduce and bring more young people of color into the fold and increase their IQ on what this career field is. And what is the trajectory that they can ultimately reach and what they can do? Like you said, you know, courting folks, going to, you know, fancy parties, you know, uh, hobnobbing with, you know, billionaires and all of these these type things. Uh, but also making sure that they understand that they have the opportunity to influence and transform people's lives through their work. That is incredible. So as we wind down here, uh, if I if I heard you correctly and, and and correct me here, there are two key takeaways I always like to leave people with, and uh, I'll ask you to provide those. But there is an opportunity for collaboration as we try to we think about building a pipeline for leadership. Okay, there is an opportunity for HBCU advancement office and uh, PWI advancement office to work together to build that ecosystem. You know, you go to Silicon Valley, you talk about ecosystem. That's why they all cluster around the same area because we can share knowledge, uh, resources, and wisdom that helps build the capacity of both institutions, of, of institutions in, uh, in, in sort of uh, uh, both rounds. And in the end, at the end of the day, we are successful because HBCUs are a critical part of this country's higher education landscape. And right. it's, it's absolutely critical that we work together to ensure that they're just as successful as other institutions in, uh, in raising funds. So that's, that, that's my rant. But uh, I'll give you the opportunity here to give me two uh, key takeaways for our audience who have been listening to us. No, listen, your, your, your two takeaways are, are clearly where, you know, I am, you know, you and I have had this, uh, you know, conversation. I think individuals like you, are key and critical to making sure we continue to expand this conversation. The you know, takeaways again, you know, how do we introduce early on? How do we mentor? How do we create greater exposure for young people who are coming through and those who are currently in the field? And then how do we look at meaningful 
mutually beneficial partnerships. Those are the two takeaways that I think we should continue to have more conversations on. And I want to thank you for creating the platform for uh, us to do that today. Well, I appreciate having you so much, my friend. It's been great to see you. Again, folks, you want to learn more about Coppin State University in Baltimore, Maryland, C-O-P-P-I-N.edu. You can also go there and make a gift because, you know, I got to put a plug in. Make a That's gift, right. okay? Coppin State. <laughs> and uh, well, folks, there you have it. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon. Mm-hmm.